Peace to the planet Earth. You know what it is. You know what I'm saying? The Black Dragon of the West. And I'm chilling and I have Dana R. Thompson on. She is from iWoke Wellness. And um, she is someone I used to mentor and still do. It's kind of true. Like we met when? What year was it? I was like 16. So almost 10 years ago. Yeah. She was one of the rowdy girls who would, she was, you know, she wasn't like in the trouble, but she was always near it. She was like, if, if the trouble was right here, she'd be like, right there. She'd be like, right there. And like, so she wasn't really busted, but somehow you knew she had a hand in it. Um, <laughs> I was slick with it in teeth. She never started it, always finished it. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Bob and weave. You know what I'm saying? There were no cameras. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, my surroundings. Exactly. So, uh, but no, she's um, grown into a fantastic young woman who is doing all kinds of medical stuff and all kinds of healing stuff and all types of activism stuff. And um, I was like, you know what, man? I need to bring her on Bishop Chronicles. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Like, I'm totally honored, totally listen every week. So to be on the platform, like, thank you, Adisa. I appreciate it. I'm excited. It make it's. I'm nervous now. I'm even more nervous than I was. Um, but I'm nervous because you know what? I'm so happy um, about the things that you do with iWoke Wellness. Can you talk for a minute about the purpose of iWoke Wellness? Yeah. So when I turned 18 after I graduated from O'Connell, I decided to become an EMT just because um, at a really, really young age, I became the caregiver for my grandparents. And um, my grandparents, my grandfather's black from Jamaica, and my grandmother's Guatemalan. So just kind of seeing how they were both treated in the healthcare system, it would always kind of hurt me where it was just like, no, this isn't what they're saying or no, this isn't what they need. And just like kind of seeing all the breaks within the system, I was like, hey, I want to do something to change it. So um, just kind of being a product of my environment, I didn't really see the bigger picture, what I could achieve. So I was like, okay, I want to help my community. I need to figure out a way to help my community. So I became a GD tutor. And then I also started um, becoming an EMT. I was like, okay, I'm going to help people in health. And when I became an EMT, I saw how broken the system was. Um, like when I first started, we did the academy for two weeks, like hardcore academy. And mm. then when I was going through the academy, I remember one of the days, they're like, oh, we're going to do um, um, diversity training. And mm. I was like so excited. I was like, oh, we're going to do diversity training. Like, cool, I'm going to to take care of my people. It's lit. Whoop de whoop whoop. I sat in the front row. I had my notes out. I was so excited, right? And they first started off, and um, the prefer the person who was leading it, he was about in I want to say in his sixties, older white mm -hmm. gentleman. He mm -hmm. came to the front, and he's like, "Okay, he's like, I've been an EMT, I've been a paramedic." He's like, um, "If you don't take care of yourselves, you guys are gonna end up dead." He's like, "Your number one priority is making sure your partner gets home every day alive. Mm -hmm. Then your second priority is making sure you come home every day alive." And I remember just sitting there, and I was like, "Yeah, like we understand what it is to be an EMT, and." different situations that might occur, but I was like, why are you bringing it up with race? Mm. He was like, okay, let's go ahead and break it down. Mm. He was like, this is gonna keep you alive. He's like, we're gonna start with black people first. He's like, every black person is a heroin addict. 
He's like, everyone has um, na- uh, needles in their pockets, mm-hmm. like, not knives. He's like, so if you ever have a black patient, he's like, they need to be restrained. He's like, and I was sitting there and I look back and everybody's taking notes. I'm like, ain't nobody in my family. <laughs> what is happening? Like, and I was like, people are taking notes. And I'm like, what? And he's like, let's move into Mexicans and the Latinos. He's like, um, for them, he's like, their nerve endings are actually broken. He's like, so their 10 out of 10 pain is a normal person's one out of one pain, oh, one out of 10 pain. So he was like, their pain is different than our pain. So he's like, if, uh, if a Mexican ever says that they're in pain, just know they're crybabies, don't give them pain medication, don't help. You lying to me. Dead ass, Adisa, dead. Like I was sitting there like, <laughs> um, I think came pretty well, my dude. Like, no, like, and then that's the thing is like, I started seeing it when I was on the ambulance, how they would treat people. And then I remember mm-hmm. at the end, I was like, well, what about white people? And he said, what about white people? He's like, you just treat them as you would treat any other patient. He's like, there's nothing I need to talk about. And he went through every single race. He talked about um, people who are- He was were, on uh, cats. On everybody, but not about white people. He was like, nope, it's fine. And when I became an EMT, I actually started seeing people's lives get affected. I've mm. seen people die because of it. Mm. Um, I've seen EMTs refuse care to black and brown uh, people mm. because of their fear. And then that's another side is where we have to look at the flip side of it. It's like, okay, EMTs are typically 18 to 21. You have somebody who you look up to telling you you have to do and practice this way. If not, you're going to end up dead. You're going to kill your partner. So then it becomes like an instinctual reflex. Okay, I got to follow it. Right. And, it's just like these subtle ways that we start impacting the healthcare system. So going through EMT, I was like, okay, I need to do something bigger, bigger, bigger. So then that's when I decided I need to become a doctor. Mm. So now I have one more year, then I'm be a doctor. But before I'm done, I was like, I need to do something to reach my people. I was like, something needs to happen, right. something needs to change. So that's when I decided to found I Woke Wellness. And with I Woke Wellness, what I'm doing is breaking down all these systemic issues within healthcare and bringing them to light, but not just mm. bringing these issues to light, bring solutions mm. so that we empowerment in our health. Because that's the thing is the medical field is only 5% black and then um, 5% Latino. The chiropractic profession is 1% black, 3% Latino. As these demographics start to change, as the US demographics start to change, which will probably be in about 20 to 50 years, mm-hmm. we're going to start seeing the change coming from providers. But until then, as patients, we have to be empowered in our health and understand like, no, 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 no. This isn't for me. This isn't good. This is what I need. You need to understand my health in this way. So the platform is for people who are melanated to start understanding these issues, but Mm. also for white providers to look at it, to start finding and seeing their own biases. Right. And understanding like, you know, just uh, easier, more efficient ways to, to, to help. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's still quarantine. You know what I mean? How long has it been now? When was February? <laughs> yeah, right. It was like the beginning of March or something, right? When it first yeah. popped off. Yeah, so it's been a minute, right? And people are getting frustrated. Um, I'm an introvert. I'm not that bothered by it, but I understand a lot of people are. Um, and then other people, they don't know how to be healthy. They don't know how to be healthier in this time. I found it kind of easy but I'm a loner. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, what advice do you have for people to think about in ways to keep up their health mentally and physically? Just, you know, something small that somebody could do like right now, you know? 
Yeah, quarantine's definitely brought out a lot in different people. I feel like people are either thriving or they're hurting. Or they're just like, boom, it's hard. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, I definitely went through my pre-quarantine slump where I was like, ooh, time to chill. And then I was like, ooh, too much chilling. Like, <laughs> I got to get, get my hustle back on. Right. I was like, okay, that's two weeks are enough. But um, there's definitely small things that you can do. And I think like, they sound so outlandish sometimes just because the medical model always promotes like, you have to take this type of medicine, you have to do mm-hmm. this type of, um, you need to be on this type of therapy or this type of drug to overcome certain things. And a lot of it is based on your lifestyle. So if you want to have a healthy immune system, you need to get vitamin D and vitamin mm. D you get it naturally from the sun. So right. it's really important to be in the sun for at least 15 minutes a day. And that's just going to start boosting up your own vitamin D. Vitamin D is your master hormone. So yeah. Can- every function in your body, but most importantly, your immune function. Not only that, your immune system is actually pumped by your skeletal muscle. So the only way you're going to make your immune system pump up and down and make your um, immune system move is through movement. Interesting. So it's really important that you have to move every day. Like right. people who are in the house, um, if you are afraid to go outside, um, it's, it's really great to go outside and walk at least um, if you're not comfortable with running and just stay socially distanced from people. But if you do not want to do that, go on YouTube. There's thousands of free exercises, free workout classes you could do from home. You can do some yoga. You could do a little HIIT workout. But yeah. you have to do something to move your body for at least 30 minutes a day to circulate your immune system. Because if not, you're more likely to get sick. Not only that, mindset is huge. Huge, huge, huge. The two biggest emotions in life are love and fear. Love it, it just oh, encompasses so many things, but fear actually shuts your whole body down. So I'm a physiologist as well. So from a physiological standpoint, mm-hmm. fear shuts your whole system down. It shuts down your nervous system. It shuts down your immune function. It actually puts you into a sympathetic response, also known as fight or flight. So mm. your body's not going to digest food. Your body's not going to think about healing itself. It's going to mm. be thinking about protecting itself. So mm. your body's ready to fight or flight. So it's like you're That's just going to that's deep all on edge so it's like if you're stuck in fear especially if you're watching the news all the time mm-hmm. about getting coronavirus your immune system shutting down you're making yourself more likely to get sick so it's just about telling yourself like your body's powerful your body's strong your body knows how to heal itself mm-hmm. make sure you're giving yourself the proper nutrition and doing a little bit of movement each day and that's another thing where people don't realize eating a lot of sugar and eating a lot of salt right now is really bad yeah kind of being not, not as if the 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 hot cheetos and soda wasn't bad enough already you know what i'm saying yeah and when you're just home chilling it's like oh let me get a few more snacks it is really yeah you're more youtube a little a little gaming you know what i'm saying change out the cheetos for some uh for some carrots you know just a little, a little exactly. Time. exactly just small things no i think that's that's interesting now let me let me ask i feel like when I think about music, one of the things that I love about hip hop is a lot of my health stuff, I started learning from rap. You know what I mean? Like there's this rapper named KRS-One, he did this song about beef. Now, it's one of the most interesting songs in hip hop ever, the way that it deals with diet, specifically meat eating, right? And I think that was around 1990. Uh, I think that was on the Edutainment album. And now like, I see now I see all these vegan folks in hip hop. And there's so many people between that record, you know, like there's Dead Prez, you know, who's who's uh, vegan and I think Common and RZA from Wu-Tang, a bunch of other folks. Like, 
how much do you think um, hip hop has impacted diets? Does that sound like it makes sense? I feel like that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And honestly, like it's huge because for myself, like I, I don't know if you remember not from O'Connell, but I got diagnosed with celiac disease when I, I did was not know that. 16 and everybody used to make fun of me at O'Connell like oh she can't eat gluten whoop de whoop whoop like making so much fun of me for not <laughs> she was like nah it's not good <laughs> whenever I go back and kick it with people they're like they know what gluten is because of that like those instances right now like you start hearing more about veganism gluten-free dairy-free like all mm-hmm. these the diets mainstream especially in rap music and it's getting to the hood where it wasn't before. So people are like actually starting to research like, okay, like I know this, I know that. Because like 10 years ago, being vegan, being gluten-free in the hood, it was like, ooh. This like, fool kind of weird, bro. Everybody used to always be like, oh, you on your white people shit today, huh, day? I literally can't. Like, you don't know how bad I want to go have the tortas with you. But you know, like, I can't. It's all bad, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, I think rap music always perpetuates everything for mainstream society at all times. And it definitely educates and uplifts. So I think just kind of talking about these dietary changes, it's hitting a lot more people than we think. Right. Like, no, like going back and looking at people now, I'm like, dang, a lot of my friends are like from the hood and they're like, okay, I'm going vegan or, oh, you know, I'm today. And it's like, if you would have thought about five years ago, these conversations- They didn't even have that kind of language in them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really deep, man. That's really deep. You know, it's um, it's tough too, because, you know, especially in this era of COVID, like people say, like, um, some of the racial biases in the system just get so highlighted because this pandemic is so real. And so you see uh, a lot of uh, Blacks and Latinos dying- uh, and and I, I've been getting frustrated because sometimes I see some of these politicians, especially some in the South, and they'd be like, well, you know, part of the reason that the African-American community is dying from it is because of pre-existing, you know, conditions. But like, they never really talk about like, when, when I hear that, I feel like they're blaming the Blacks and Latinos for dying from COVID. Like, you be here, bro. They created these systems. <laughs> We're literally dying because you put us in these systems and like with the activism i've been doing that's what i'm saying is like police brutality is just the surface of black lives matter there's right. so systemic injustices that are occurring like the biggest one in the united states um so i got my degree in physiology and i minored in health science with the emphasis on the health to wealth gradient also known as the social determinants of health and medical mm. racism so with that that's when it was things that i saw as an emt it was things growing up that like with my grandparents taking some of the taking both of them to the hospital all the time mm-hmm. it was things i've seen once i started getting to statistics putting names to it i was like yo no like this this is something that's going on and no one's doing anything about it like literally yeah. we ha- we're in a genocide right now and no one's doing yeah. anything about it because it's like from the time you're born they're plotting on your life they're setting you up for failure so it's like these pre-existing conditions are all society placed onto us. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so much stress. There's so much bad food in the hood, right? There's so much joblessness, which is going to like create, uh, 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 you know, or, you know, put more pressure for addiction. You know what I mean? Whether it's alcohol or whatever. And it creates this whole thing, man. It's really ugly. Yeah, it's just, it's wild. Like in the United States with the health to wealth gradient with 99.9% accuracy, they can predict when you're going to die and from what based on your income and zip code. 
So mm -hmm. it's like, who does that disproportionately affect? The most affected by it are Mexican Americans, then followed by Black Americans. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. like those who um, are uh, the most, they're, they're at the highest risk for dying at a premature age. And it's like, it's not just, it's food, it's access to healthcare, it's access to um, income equality, access to education, the school to prison pipeline, mm. the amount of stress that actually is in the hood. It's like your body stays in that sympathetic state. So mm. your immune or your nervous system functions in two ways, fight or flight or rest and digest. And in a healthy body, you're able to go in between both. You just ate a meal, cool, you could chill, relax, mm. digest your food, mm. something pops off, you can like mm. catch yourself. Get involved, but right. When you're in a high stress environment, you stay in sympathetics all the time, mm. all the time. And that's really damaging on your whole body. It affects your kidneys, it affects your brain, it affects your heart, it affects your digestive system, like uh, disproportionately compared to the rest of your body. So it's like when you already have all that stress on a system, especially from a really young age, it doesn't prepare yeah. your body for success. So it's like black and Latinos are being most impacted by COVID because of systematic injustices and systematic racism. So it's like these politicians need to do something, not just turn a blind eye like, mm, that sucks. Yeah, too bad you guys got that, huh? You know what I'm saying? You're like, I wonder, I wonder who did that. Yeah, like that. that's crazy. You know, so yeah, it's it's a trip, man. I um, I struggle with a lot of the things that are happening when I think about like, you know, again, like the role that a lot of rappers played in educating me about different, you know, whether it was eating beef or not eating pork or, um, you know, just not eating meat at all. Like, the, you know, a lot of that stuff is huge in hip hop. And uh, I look at you now thinking about when you were young, I never, you know, when you look at kids, you always go, oh, somebody's going to do well, so-and-so is going to do well. And then you see somebody, you know, who really kind of uh, steps out and steps forward. You know, I feel like there are a lot of young women from O'Connell who have gone on to do really cool lives, you know what I mean, have really cool futures. What do you think it is about, is that accurate, first of all, and why? Accurate? Um, I can only speak for my graduating class because mm -hmm. I still talk to most of my graduating class. So my graduating class started out with 200 students. 69 of us made it to graduation. I think 50 of us walked. Mm -hmm. um, from the 50 that walked, 20 of us went to college. Six of us actually graduated from college. And then I'm the only one to go past the bachelor's degree. There's a few people who have graduated who are looking to go into their master's, but they haven't mm -hmm. gone into it yet. Um, so going from O'Connell, O'Connell didn't set us up for success, to be honest. And I think the difference that comes Oh, Adisa's like, really? <laughs> like, O'Connell did, it was, I had, a, it was cracking. It was a lit experience. Like, let, let's not front. But set us up for success, to Maybe be honest. Not. <laughs> Structurally, no, but I think O'Connell set us up for success with the people that it put us in our lives. Like, especially you, Patty. Oh, bruh. You know, like, crying on it. No, it's true, <laughs> Even though I wasn't getting caught up, like I would always like, hear your voice in the back of my head, like they don't don't do that, and I'd be like, oh, all right, yeah. you know. And especially like having that love and support system, especially not getting that at home, it's just like mm. it's huge, especially for a lot of these young kids. So it's like G, Mama Bev, Lee, Bev, yeah, like G, G, and my uncle are actually best friends. So what? every he would I would cut out and like leave school, he'd call my uncle, then my dad would be on my line, like. 
so where are you at? Because I know you're, I was bad at DISA, so I changed the phone number on the school records to my own cell number. So when I cut class, I'd get the truancy call. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, that is a pro tip for you teenagers watching. <laughs> so um, the only time I'd ever get caught up is if G saw me, because G would call my uncle, then my and uncle And you just busted. <laughs> oh, sometimes my dad would know exactly where I'd kick it at. He'd come roll up like, <laughs> let's go. I'm going to get back. <laughs> That's hilarious. But um, just like in O'Connell, everything was so accessible in the most, in the bad ways, you know, like we didn't, <laughs> Yeah. there wasn't like, you know what, let's go take a field trip to a tech company or like, mm. I know like, a lot of different colleges, especially in Avid, but it wasn't like, this is something obtainable for you. It was just like, oh, cool. Look at what we're going to go do for the day. We're going to go tour campus. Right. It wasn't ever like, you can be here. Mm. You can do it. It was just like, mm. look what, how other you got opportunities arise. Yeah. It wasn't ever like you could do this. So um, from O'Connell, the women that I've seen that come out successful, I think it's just the hustle from the city that's like mm. bred in you. It's that West Coast it's work West ethic. Coast. <laughs> like we just hustle different. And I think that's just like, I know for myself, I hustle very different than a lot of people. And I noticed that in the city, I've been able to find people to match that hustle. Mm. And I think like especially when you are from the hood especially in san francisco with how crazy expensive stuff is it's like mm. you got to have a full-time job and at least a few side hustles just to keep yourself afloat so it's exactly. just like also too like in the city it's just like you see how everybody else flows and you're just like okay they're hustling like this they're hustling like this i need to hustle like that but double mm -hmm. it up Mm -hmm. and doubling, mm -hmm. doubling, doubling. I feel like San Francisco it's like a competitive love that it's out there where it's like hey you mm. have that, I'm gonna get your hustle and That's I'm gonna go true. harder and I'm gonna build you up so you can hustle like yep. that yep. like that put on so I think just being in San Francisco being laced up on game from a young age um just that like I think for me just seeing how broken the system was was something that always made me hustle and I think what really kicked my hustle into overdrive was when I took Miss Goldstein's class for history. Goldstein. Goldstein, she I remember in class she was like, I don't know I'm gonna teach you guys history today. She's like, you guys aren't going to college, you guys aren't gonna use it. And I was like, okay, what's with your attitude? She's like, I'm gonna teach you your statistics, I'm gonna teach you your rights, and I'm gonna teach you how to get started um because it's also when the search and frisk started in the city. She's mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, yes, mm -hmm. I get frisked. Yeah, the stop and frisk, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to teach you how to talk to the police and everything. And when she started breaking down all the statistics, I remember sitting there and I was like, that's not going to be me. Mm. I was like, I'm not going to be a statistic. I was mm. like, I'm not going to do it. I was like, I will not fall into it. I was like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with my life or what, but I was like, this is not my life. I was like, I won't, I won't settle for anything less. So this ghost thing is going to cry tonight, bro. When, when she said that in class, like it, it hit me like in the deepest level where I was just like, Okay, I need to. I just saw that like as a 1980s movie, like shot like a 1980s film. Like, and it came out really good. The classroom <laughs> stopped. I was sitting there like, <laughs> <laughs> you saw Goldstein freeze at the number. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I think it was just like honestly being blessed by so many people. That's the one thing I can say about O'Connell. It did bless me with so many beautiful people. People I still yeah. am in love and like have so much love for and in contact with today. So it's like yeah. for success with the people around me, but systematically to, to, to elevate an education, it did not. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. Um, 
sounded. Um, it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things I want to run by you though is your activism has been um, in high gear, you know, since the uh, George Floyd uprisings and everything started. Um, you know, what's hilarious is, you know, my mellow, my man, Uncle Damien. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Love Uncle Dame. That's my dude, man, right? So he coming on, he's coming on, he's coming on soon. I'm going to have him on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uncle Dame is so dope. I'm part of Us For Us also. Yeah. So I roll on. She rep. She rep. Um, I had no idea you knew him. That was my point. And one day he mentioned you and I was like, oh, what, what? You know what I mean? And so it's interesting when you watch people like from John O'Connell, then you hang with him. Then George Floyd pops off and you was already working on all kind of dopeness when I seen you at Dr. Pete's office. And now you're, you've kind of stepped, you know, fairly into the forefront of like, kind of like, I think like youth activism in the Bay and stuff like that. Can you tell me like, what's your motivation to get involved? And then um, what's the experience been like on the ground for you? Yes. Um... For me, I actually started protesting when I was about 16, like doing a lot of the ice stuff in the mission, like when that all first started. Yeah. My first, or actually my second arrest was when we did the Frisco, um, the Frisco Five, when we'd like yeah. to paddy wagon on that. So it's like, I've been doing this activism since a young age. It's just, I think now it's being recognized. Like, I don't know, like, I don't like using that word recognized because it's like, I don't it know. Feels, it feels vanity kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I, but it's not really the intent. I know what you mean. So it's just like, um, I guess I'm noticed. I don't know. But um, so like basically how this like all started, it was just kind of like a really crazy kind of like predicament. So like for us, for us, me and Stenaman, um, Jordan, we actually work together as youth mentors. So we've been working together, um, mentoring the youth with us, for us and Uncle Dame for a while now. And then I actually met Uncle Dame about like two, almost three years ago at a City Eats event. So um, mm. I also founded this organization at my school. Um, well, I didn't found the organization as a whole, but I brought the chapter to my school with SAPCO, with Student American Black Chiropractic Association. And when I became the president of the organization after it was founded, I was like, you know what guys, like I'm from the Bay, this is my community. And the only way we're gonna start changing chiropractic is if we start taking care of our community and teaching our community about the benefits of chiropractic and getting them in as our patients. I was like, so the only way we're gonna do that is if we give back to our community. I was like, we need to go to the city eats. We need to do mm -hmm. the first Saturday of every month. So for like two years, the first Saturday of every wow. month, wow, go out and do that. And that's when I like started connecting with Uncle Dame. And then we ended up bringing the city eats to my school. So every year my school does a community service day where the city eats comes out and we go out to Hayward and Oakland where my, my school's located in Hayward and we give out the meals to the homeless. So it was just like always staying connected with Uncle Dame. And then when Uncle Dame started Us For Us, I was like, oh no doubt, I'm there, I'm here, I'm with it. And then um, with COVID, school's been online, what's been a blessing because I've been able to be more into my community. And I feel like with chiropractic school being so crazy and so hectic, mm. I really lost touch in my community and I didn't feel as congruent with myself because I just no. love being with my people. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. chiropractic school is like, this, 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 it's like nonstop. So with COVID, I was actually able to have a pause and then I was able to get more into Us For Us. And then every Tuesday we were going out to um, different uh, projects in Hunters Point and feeding the elderly population who couldn't leave because of COVID. Mm, mm -hmm. So 
was like going ahead providing meals and doing stuff like that. And then when George Floyd was murdered, um, the youth in the group were like, we need to do something. So Uncle Dan was like, okay, we're going to rally in front of City Hall. We're going to hold mm-hmm. a small, a small uh, organized protest. And when we ended up showing up, it was really funny. Jamal and his people were all there doing their own protests. We're like, you know what? It's all love. We're from the up. Let's, let's California love out here. So we like all came together. We like um, bridged the rallies together. Everybody got. Oh, to go that's up. cool. And um, Uncle Dame asked me to go up there and speak. So I just kind of free flowed some stuff that was on my heart in my head, and mm. um, I didn't uh, I didn't expect it to touch people in the way that it touched people. Um, and after I spoke, a few people came up to me and just kind of like acknowledge what I said and like I was just kind of like taken back I was like oh like I just really spoke from the heart like yeah. I didn't went like that and then um Jamal and Gunna came up to me and they're just like what you said was really dope we're actually leading a protest on Sunday we would love for you to speak like we'll, we'll contact you mm-hmm. and I was like oh, okay for sure for sure and then I had already met Jamal a few times before at different city eat events because he's also mm-hmm. involved in city eats and then um, I was like for sure like just let me know and then I spoke on Sunday and then that's kind of when all four of us like got together, um, Steneman, Gunna Goes Global, Jamal and myself. And we're like, we need to solidify this as a group and we need to keep applying pressure and keep pushing the, um, the narrative. We need mm-hmm. to keep, um, keep the, the protest going. We need to be an avenue to guide people and just kind of just doing different things, organizing, planning and things like that. So we just kind of been a group ever since then. But it's just so crazy how we just all navigated and it just naturally fell into place and fell together. I think it's cool, man. I think it's really cool. I think, um, you know, it's good to see, um, speaking as an old man, uh, it's, 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 it's good to see young people out in the street. It's been kind of mind blowing for me because, you know, like from, you know, like, a year ago, I would have been like, man, all y'all do is do Total Recall and all them damn video games and taking the Xanax and you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now y'all are in the streets, setting it off, writing agendas, not being satisfied, using technology to hijack the system. And I'm like, yo, I thoroughly underestimated your gangster. Um, it's, it's really interesting to see so many young people involved. I don't understand why they're involved. What what was going on? How are y'all stepping up like this? Because y'all were in y'all phones. You were just putting the 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 little cartoons on your faces on your phone, and now you burned down the whole country getting justice. I don't understand what happened. Um, what I really think like the shift is, is like, I really got to put it up to God. I feel like the energy of this time right now is just shifted and change. Like, it's just really the time for change. I think this is the first time white people have experienced discrimination just because of COVID of not wearing masks. And oh, that's interesting. That's the one thing I've noticed is when I've gone out, I've seen people have like strong interactions with others because of them not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yikes imagine being black or brown and that be your daily everyday life like oh it doesn't feel nice what if your skin was the mask and you couldn't get out of it ever (laughs) i I didn't pick to look like this but it's popping popping. nobody's mad (laughs) 
So I think this is the first time white people have ever felt discrimination on this level where it's just like, okay, people say some things like a hurtful word. Okay, cool. You keep moving forward. But it's just like, when it's a constant in your face thing, and especially with COVID, a lot of people are home. All they're doing is watching the news. All they're doing is watching TV. And it's just like, yeah. oh, dang, this happened. Then this happened. And then this happened. It's like, okay, we actually need to start making some changes. And I feel like the way that the United States is actually shifting, statistically speaking, by 2050, white people will be the minority in the United States. Latinos mm -hmm. will be the largest majority in the United States. So I think I, got, like, I really got to start learning Spanish, huh? It's inevitable, isn't it? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I think people are like really starting to understand how poorly we've been treated and mm. I think there's no way to like hide from it or run from it where it's just like with other times like I've noticed it's like hey like well I got work like I don't have time to watch news or like different things start we're like there's a pandemic we got time <laughs> we got nothing but time like <laughs> the whole world is on pause we, we got a moment you're not an essential worker. You're at home. Like, period. It's time to protest. You know what I'm saying? Like, you mobbing or you mobbing? Because there's no no. There's, like, there's no. there's no middle ground. None. Man, so, it's just amazing to see so many young people out there sharing their voice, man. And it's, it's, it's beautiful because I feel like my generation blew it or you guys wouldn't have to be out there. It's my fault. It's not your fault, but sorry. the roadmap is laid out. We just got to keep pushing forward. And I think also, too, I think just like generationally, each generation changes and changes and changes. And I think the generation, my generation, especially the generation after me, mm. it's very um, community focused and community centric. Like every single thing is like community, like social media. Sadly, especially now, relationships are very community focused and community based. <laughs> And that's just like, it's just a society. It's just their energy is just wanting to do everything as a community. Okay. I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking through observation. If we I'm can't hang with this. I need, to, I need a moment. <laughs> no lies have been told, though. Like... Oh I'm my really, God. I really want to see what family dynamics are going to look like. Cause <laughs> it's going to be bonkers. But it's just, uh, there's a lot of community. It's, it's a really big thing about community for the younger generation. And I think the younger generation is very vocal. And I think the younger generation just really was born, like, excuse my language, without giving a fuck. Like, they really, like, have none. They to don't be. care. They don't. They're just like, what's up? It's so crazy. I don't know what that's about. But I like it they're the revolutionaries coming in like marching into place like yeah no we we're taking this back and like if you also like i feel like history always repeats itself the bible always repeats itself and like the 400 year curse ended with the israelites and then they had to go through this change where moses freed them and slavery in the united states i say it lasted 400 years it just ended in 2019 from 1619 to 2019 so i feel like 2020 really is that year of change and we Black people are the true Israelites. So it's like, there has to be people coming to the forefront to lead and push and propel this movement forward. Um, even if we want to look at it from it like a spiritual standpoint, there is that change in the air. And I think everything that happened before, not that it wasn't valid or that people didn't work hard enough, I think yeah. it the time. 
it wasn't the time just yet. I think it was paving the way for this time right now because we are going to get change. It's deep because, you know, so much of it is about the technology too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if you I mean, imagine, imagine like, imagine like if like Martin Luther King could just like text like Malcolm and Martin be like texting like. That, their IG lives would go what crazy. If, yeah. Hey, we're going to go live. <laughs> At midnight, they would break the whole gram. The gram would just fall over. Just done. Just. Like, Tupac has social media. Like, you know it personally, so you know it'll be. It would have been crazy. Oh my God. I can't, I need to stop. I can't even, like, I can't even go into that wormhole. But, like, so much of it too, I think, is the technology with that attitude, right? You need like the super rebellious attitude plus the technology to connect, to disrupt, things like that. I think that's interesting. I think it's just, everything's in alignment right now. We have the platforms. We just need the media to do a way better job because that's the one thing I can say. <laughs> the is media's kind of weak right now. I'm kind of disappointed in fools. The, the way the media has been portray like portraying us, especially as a group, that's the one thing I can say myself as well as all the guys in the group are extremely articulate. And that's the thing is whenever we stumble on one word or mm. stutter one time, mm. that's the clip that they show. And I like it subtly starts to discredit you to people in their eyes like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They're stuttering or they're stumbling over a mm. word. And um, like I did an interview, um, I forget with what... Um, newspaper right, right which newspaper it was but when i actually read the interview my words were there but they were all they actually dumbed down my vocabulary that i had used and the word lying they didn't make sense when i read it and i was like okay so they're trying to make me sound really ignorant but it's funny if they would have fact checked and did the research it's like i'm a physiologist i'm about to be a doctor so it's like there's nothing that is deep, man. That's scary. So it's subtle things that they do that I know they're mindful of what they're doing. And it's just like small little tactics where it's just like, or they're just, use, well, also too with the news, like you only get that like three to 10 second window of what you're going to say. And I feel like a lot of times they're afraid to use our hardest hitting point and they'll mm. use like a different point. Right, 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 right. You come swinging hard with the A game and then they like wait until like the, the G game. You know what I mean? It'd be just like, quote you at G. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, I thought Dayanara was hella sharp. She came off hella whatever. You're like, no, I said all this dopeness. So it's just like, and then with, especially with us noticing that us as a whole with 4HD, we're going to start making educational videos to put out. Um, so people are able to understand all of our main points, understand the facts behind it, understand the research behind it, and have like a whole content that they can go mm. to. That way, like the media can't snip it, pick it. It's like, we're putting this out so people understand each segment that's going on. So we're actually filming later um, next week to get mm. all the videos um, in order. That's deep. So remember when I was talking about hip hop and health, one of the main books that everybody used to talk about um, was uh, How to Eat to Live by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. You know, I think for a lot of Black people in the hood, that was like the first book that they ever read that actually kind of addressed like why you should, you know, eat better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why having food that's fresh from the earth is good for you, et cetera, et cetera. 
And um, what books do you think people should be knowing now? You know what I mean? Because I'm wondering, I'm like, I don't know what health books are dope right now that young people maybe should be thinking about, you know, if, if they don't know anything about health, what, what do you suggest? For all the books about different diets, the ones I read are more like deep into physiology where it's just like, you have to know those like vocabulary terms to break right, into right. the best books right now are books about mindset. Cause I feel mm. like controlling your mindset controls your life. And not only that, your brain controls your whole body. So it's like, if your mind is right, your body will be right. So I think like the best book, which I think people don't understand the power of this book is the four agreements mm -hmm. just because understanding the four agreements, like it can avoid so many different things. Like I had, um, I wouldn't say a falling out with a group of friends, but like we had a really big misunderstanding. Then on my end, I was like, Oh, I think that's happening. I think that's happening. And then like each of them on their own end was like, that's happening. This, mm -hmm. is, this is happening. We all sat together and we like, we're like, okay, so this is what I think is happening. We were busting out laughing. Like, this is what you thought. Right. Right. None of it was accurate. None of it was real. It's like all the things we made up in our head and the four agreements were be impeccable with your word, meaning whatever you say, your word is bond, follow through on it, but also be very mindful of your vocabulary because mm. words cause vibration. So it's like, you want to make sure that you're vibing at a good level. And then the second one is don't take anything personally. The third one is don't make assumptions. And the fourth one is always do your best. And I think for me, the biggest one that changed my life was not taking things personally. That's hard. I always take things personally all the time. And then I really sat back and was like, what's that person going through today? Or what past life traumas have they gone through that they're projecting them onto me? And it's not even a me mm. thing. Or just generational trauma. Yep. You and know what I mean? It's, it's, it's wild how like little books like that can change your life. And then I think my other favorite book to read is The Pilgrimage um, and The Alchemist. Those are both. Ooh, um, Alchemist is fire. The, the Alchemist, the pilgrimage is kind of like a follow-up to The Alchemist, but not a lot of people read it. Ooh. And The Alchemist, I think that was like one of the most revolutionary books that I read in my life. And I've read it multiple <sighs> times. It's so cold. Deep. <laughs> it's so cold. That book is ridiculous. And each phase in your life, it changes. So like, uh, I'm a very fast reader, so I could read The Alchemist in a day. Yeah. So whenever I feel like I need to put myself on game or like there's something missing or lacking in my life, I'll just read The Alchemist. Mm. And then I'm like, okay. And each time I read it, I'm like, oh. It's Jules. Jules. Oh, that's what that really meant. So I feel like that's one of those books, like whatever phase you are in life, you can keep going you back. You can find a, yeah, you can find some, some, some wisdom in there. No, that's hella dope. And that's really also, important. Like the Bible and the Quran, like going to both of those for different sources of wisdom is huge. Hey, you know what's deep? Um, are you familiar with the fast of uh, Daniel? Mm -hmm. with the fast of Daniel? So like I was talking with the with the a rapper and we were talking about veganism or whatever, and he was like, you know, he knows there's all kinds of sub vegans, which I, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a very like basic enter the door vegan. I don't have all the, right. So, um, so he was like, um, Oh, he's talking about someone who was an SOS vegan. And I was like, what does that mean? And he broke down this whole thing, but I'm like, there's too many vegans. I, I, I cannot keep up. But then I was like, Hey, what do you know about like, you know, the fast of Daniel, you know what I'm saying? And like, he didn't really know about it. So, you know, we're kind of going back and forth. And like, I'm really kind of blown away because it seems like 
that's the, that's like a vegan diet, ain't it? Isn't that like the essence of a vegan diet? And I think people, because of the way that Christianity is practiced in America, like specifically as it relates to eating to pork, like they don't understand all the healing elements and stuff in the Bible and whatnot. Yeah, it's huge. Like, I think there's so many different things in the Bible that people overlook, like especially meditation, like meditations in the Bible alone mm. time is in the Bible. Even going into nature is in the Bible where it talked about like, when Jesus wanted to speak to God, he would go to nature and pray and he would mm -hmm. go to and meditate. And I think that's something that nature has so many healing be benefits. Like Yale released a study talking about if you spend two hours a week in nature, uh, it can expand your life expectancy. It improves your what? immune It improves actually your mental health as well. Mm -hmm. So if you have any mental health issues, it's huge to help with that. And I feel like nature just is a natural healing environment and i know that sounds like a little like hippy dippy but it's like right. if you just go sit out like i try to go hiking at least twice a week and i just like to like once i get to where i want to go and my hike i just sit there and just kind of soak it in and just kind of feel like that good energy is kind of coming um and it's just no nature's a, a big deal different it's huge and i think just kind of like understanding what is said in like the bible what is said in the quran and understanding like this, this is like ancient wisdom that's been passed down passed down passed down where it's like if they were talking about it then like maybe we should start looking at it yeah, now there could be something valuable in that it, it, it all connects yeah so just kind of following like those diets but i think also too is truly listening to your body and understanding what your body needs so depending on what blood type you are there's different diets so i'm o positive blood type so mm -hmm. for me, the best diet is high, um, high protein, medium fat, and no carbs. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, I do keto sometimes. Um, right now, I'm doing like the GAPS protocol. So it's like a whole different thing in itself to like heal your gut lining. Mm -hmm. But I go through phases where I will eat meat. And then I will hit a phase where I'm like, I do not eat meat right now. And I'll, right. And I'll stay vegan as long as I feel comfortable. And then once I'm like, okay. I don't feel like my body's healthy right now. I'll go back mm -hmm. to eat meat and I just kind of been fluctuating yeah. like that for five years. And I just listen to what my body needs. I'm like, okay, today I want steak. And then I probably won't eat right. it for two days. And then I'll go vegan for like a month or two. And then I'm like, okay, let me flow back and forth. Mm -hmm. so understanding what your body needs. I think that's such a deep thing, man, because I think when I was young, um, even though I was Muslim, I studied a lot of Buddhism and um, Buddhism, I think the Dhammapada uh, specifically, you know, really helped make me aware of, of listening to my body. I don't think that, that you know, like I, I'm still like, I started to eat with chopsticks now because it slows me down because I'm just like a savage. I'm like, I have no sense of etiquette. You know what I'm saying? I don't pace myself. So, um, <laughs> so days it's like <laughs> you know what i'm saying um to listen to your body i was never still you know and the more that i've listened to my body i i feel like so much has changed but i think it's hard for people to know how to begin like what would you suggest for someone right you saying listen to your body how do you what's a what's what do you think is a decent step to take to initiate that I think the conversation we we're having before all of this was meditation. I think knowing how to meditate is a perfect way. Oh, another book I'd recommend is Mastery of Self. Mm -hmm. It's also by the same author who wrote The Four Agreements, but it just kind of teaches you how to 
come in connection with yourself. So like before we were, um, before we started the interview, we were talking about meditation. If I started meditating at O'Connell, because O'Connell had the program to teach us medita uh, meditation. Mm -hmm. And I remember going through the program, I was extremely Catholic at the time. I'm uh, spiritual now, but at the time I was like very Catholic. I was like, okay, it's, it's like devil stuff to like do mm -hmm. things for the church. Like I can't mm -hmm. because that's praying to a different God who's not my God. Right. And like, I had like a lot of like back and forth move, like back and forth thoughts about it where I was like, okay, I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Right. Then I was actually taught how to meditate. And um, my mantra that was given to me was the mantra of Om. Mm -hmm. And Om, um, after I studied Sanskrit, was is, um, Om means the sound of God. Mm -hmm. And I think at that time, intuitively and deep down inside, I knew it meant something. Mm -hmm. And um, the meditation teacher I had told me that the word Om just meant chair and just to meditate with that sound and it didn't mean anything and i tried mm. to meditate and i felt kind of something and i was like okay this word means something this Interesting. Word means something so then i was like okay they're lying to me i shut mm. it down i didn't want to do anything related to meditation i was the ratchet kid in meditation every time i meditated i like read my book and put my pages heck aloud be extra loud yeah or just be like i'm gonna leave because i'm not gonna do this so um i just felt like inside my intuition knew something was wrong or like they i was being lied to so i just mm. I didn't want to do it um it wasn't until i got i want to say um when i was about 21 i was involved in like a life-changing accident i was crushed um, by a gurney i crushed my pelvis i tore the muscle that connects my hip to my knee known as my sartorius i herniated discs in my back and i actually lost um a lot of function in my left leg and i ended up i almost ended up in a wheelchair um, if I would have elected surgery. So when all of that happened, I actually entered a pretty deep depression. Like imagine being 21, you can't get out of bed, you can't walk, you just got in. That's year. immense. It was like, yeah, your life's changed forever. And I kind of fell into that. I fell victim to myself or I started feeling petty for myself. I started feeling sad for myself. I didn't think I could overcome it. And then one day I just woke up and I was like, this is not my life. I like couldn't really use my left leg. I went to the... Um, doctors for my follow-up appointment and the doctor's like okay well we need to schedule you for surgery that's going to be our next step um he's like the surgery is going to be 50 50 like we told you either you're going to improve or you're going to be ending up in a wheelchair but you will be wheelchair bound by the age of 50 um because you will have to have reoccurrent surgeries for this and i remember i looked at the doctor dead ass in his eyes and i was like that's not going to be my life i choose to be different and i dragged my leg out and i walked out and i was like i'm i was like i'm gonna change my life and that day changed my mindset. I started researching different healthcare modalities. I started researching holistic healing, holistic healthcare, and I found chiropractic, but that's also the same time when I found meditation and I also mm. So I started mm. studying Islam very deeply. I've also studied Buddhism, Christianity, um, Hinduism. Like I love learning about religion and in a lot of- Isn't it fun? I love it. It's so amazing. It's just so many different ways and they all connect all the time. I know. It's really We're beautiful. For differences, but it's like their beauty is in the harmony yeah. of all of it. Yeah. And um, when I seen that, I was like, okay, meditation. So I started diving deep. I started learning more. I started studying and I started to meditate. And as I started to meditate, I started to really truly understand the power I had within myself. And how that connects to what the Bible says about the light being within you. Mm, and, mm. Um, just kind of understanding that you do have control over your life. You do have like control over different things. Like 
after going through spinal rehab, after going through chiropractic, learning meditation, I'm about to be a chiropractor. I'm walking normally. I'm wearing high heels. Like I said, I was going to do it and I did it. And the That's only way so to do that was through honestly, like, like all the physical stuff, but the mentality behind it. Mm. And the only way you're going to know yourself is sitting with yourself and really being honest. Like, I think when people think of this avenue to finding peace or finding um, peace or health or just wellness, it's just kind of like this portrayal of just kind of like a hippie person. Yeah, just smiling when there's no reason to smile. Just kind of like giggles all the time. And it's like, no, like that's that's not true at all. Like I'll right. meditate. And if you try to disturb my peace, like I'll fight you. Like, <laughs> it is. like, you, can, like you can still catch these hands. But at the end of the day, like I got my peace within me. Please don't, don't fight. No, it. I definitely won't. I got way too much to lose. But yes, um, you got to, you know what I'm saying? Self-mastery, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying like, I like that's the type of vibe and energy I have. So it's like you don't have to be like this super duper hippie peaceful person. Like, right? You can be congruent with yourself, but it's about being honest with yourself. Like, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna screw people over. You're gonna do things that you're gonna regret. Um, but it's about owning it up with yourself, and not yeah. only just owning it up with yourself, but owning it up with other people too. And I think that's the hardest part. Where it's mm. just, I've known, I know, I've done people wrong. You know, it wasn't my intention and it's just like how things played out, but it's like, I'll always own up to it and like yeah. own it to myself, but also owning it to those people. And I feel like the more I was honest with myself and started reshifting my mindset, the more able, more I was able to deeply connect with myself, especially mm. like coming up the way I came up. Um, and I think like the biggest revelation I've had with myself right now is um, at the age of 18, there was an incident that occurred where, um, my father ended up going to jail um, and things like that happened. And that news spread at my undergrad. And it was my first quarter in undergrad. I had just become an EMT. Like I really wanted to change where I had come from. And mm. I wanted to be something completely different. And everybody in the city, everybody who knows me knows me as day, like mm. I'm day. Mm. And then once that incident happened, I was like, okay, like, I don't want people to know who I am because they're associating me with certain things. Mm. And then that's also the same time when the show The Orange is the New Black came out. And her name is Dianera, Dianara in Spanish, and everybody called her Daya. So mm -hmm. then I'm like, cool, rebrand myself. I'm just going to start going by Daya. And then it's funny because that's how you know how long people have known me is the people who call me Daya. It's like, okay, you've only been knowing me for like the last five years. The people you, who call you're me a newbie. Daya. Yeah. You know me. Those are the OGs. And then, like, it became, like, this whole thing where it's, like, I felt like I had to keep up its appearance of, like, Day being a super, or Daya being a super-duper professional, like, always on top of her stuff. And then, like, mm. Day kind of embodying, like, how I did grow up in the city and, like, how I did, like, how I came up. Mm. And I think, like, I kind of exhausted myself going between both of them where it's, like, I was creating a discongruency within myself. That's and deep. Then, finally like having to sit with myself and be like, you know what? Like I was trying to run from something that I didn't need to run from. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. now just kind of sitting with myself and like, especially with all the activism I'm, I'm doing, like I tell people my name's day. And then like my new folks are like, huh? Like, who's this? And it's just like, kind of like merging the two. But I think it's having that deep honesty with yourself where it's like, you can't be moved anymore. Like, yeah. I think that's like a huge thing. It's like, 
if you were to come up to me and be like, I don't like your shirt or like you're, you're, you're right. an ugly person. It's like, cool. That's your opinion. That's your values. I know me on the deepest level where it's like, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to shake. It's not going to, yeah, it's not going to resonate at all, you know? So finally, before we get off today, I want to ask you advice that you have for young people who are thinking about what they can do at this time. Sometimes I think like when I, when I talk to a lot of the young high school dudes that, you know, like from the high school that I work at, like those kids are like, oh, I'm bored all the time and da, da, da. And I just feel like there's, I'm always like, but there's so many opportunities right now. You know what I mean? What advice do you have for young people who may not know what to do with this time, where to go with this time, or how to maximize this time? I think just make a list of everything you want to accomplish in life, what your dreams and goals are, and find out how to get there. Just because you would never know where life is going to take you and what's going to happen. But I think the most important thing that I've learned, and like, I'm only 25, so I don't have all the answers. Right, right, right. But I feel like the more you know yourself, the more congruent you are. And it's just like an abundance of opportunities that flow in when you're congruent. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, it's just that congruency. It's just like, like attracts like. So yeah. I think for young people right now, the most important thing is just staying congruent with yourself. Um, and I think that's really hard in our society when it's like, especially with social media, social media is a blessing and a curse where it's like you see somebody doing something and it's like you want to emulate that, but it's like by doing that, you're not being true to yourself. Mm. And like I think in our society too, people don't understand or know themselves on deep levels where it's just like a lot of things are very surface. So like for young people now, I think it's really important to know who they are truly because once you know who you are truly, you're going to be able to market yourself. You're going right. to be able to go after whatever you want. Just you're stand in your truth you stand in your truth, you know what's for you. And I think that's the most important thing is knowing what is for you and what's not. And you can't know that until you either go through it and you learn like the easy way or the hard way, or you know yourself where it's just like, before any situation, I just sit there and I evaluate it. I'm like, is this for me? Nah, I'm yeah. not gonna waste my time or my energy. Or I'll be like, you know what? I feel called to do this and I'll yeah. go and I'll proceed. So I think like for young people right now, that. And also, if you're being bored, navigate, read. If you don't like to read, YouTube, watch some documentaries, listen to listen exercise. to exercise, <laughs> yeah. learn how to meditate, learn a new hobby. I'm sorry, YouTube. You can learn anything on yeah, YouTube. It's a beautiful and, time for that. And there's so many different programs that are being offered for free right now. So it's yeah. like take advantage of that. Learn how to code. Tech is huge right now. Learn a side hustle, one, two, three, or four. Like, think about different ways to bring in revenue. But most importantly, if you want to change things, look to see what all the problems are mm. and think of solutions. Yeah, no, that's huge. I think I think you know it's um, it's a good time for solutions, and it's a good time. People have never been more open. You know what I mean? So before we go, how can people get a hold of you? hold of me yes follow me on instagram at i woke wellness and it's just the letter i and then woke wellness or you could follow my personal instagram page at underscore soy dayanera and it's s-o-y-d-a-y-a-n-a-r-a and it's soy as in the spanish word for i am not soy as in i don't eat well i don't eat dairy but um <laughs> A lot of people, like, I've been telling people at different events, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're vegan. So cool. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Uh, no, it's a little deeper. <laughs> it's a little deeper. I am in Spanish, but okay. So, you know what, though? Before I go, like, I need to talk to you about Black and Brown Unity. This is something that's a real big deal to me. And uh, I struggle with seeing any type of friction between Blacks and Latinos, you know. Like, uh, my family's from the Mission, you know, uh, on my father's side. So, like, you know, I always grew up around, you know, Latino people and I'm visiting my, my grandma and stuff and going to Dolores Park and everything else. And so, like, when I'm, you know, uh, you know, even like L.A. riots, you know what I'm saying? The the, the Blacks and the essays was good, you know what I'm saying? And, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was Rodney King time. It was good. And so I've always loved Black and Brown unity. It's always been a big deal. Back in the day, Immortal Technique, I uh, was down there in, in Watsonville with the Brown Berets, you know what I'm saying? Doing Negro Watch meetings and all of that. You know what I mean? So I got that love. And when, when I look today, when I see BLM happening, it's beautiful. And I think um, I spoke with Raka from Dilated Peoples uh, about it not too long ago about just like how important it is that Blacks uh, share reciprocity with with you know the the latinos and the asians and the white allies you know what i'm saying like how that plays out is like really crucial why is it important to you these days important to me i think well for myself i am black and latina but i do have to be honest i'm very very light passing so for myself like growing up i did always have those identity issues and i know i'm only speaking for myself from this moment where it's like my name's dayanara thompson so it's like I, I grew up on my childhood um, before, like I was born in the city, I went to go live in Guatemala and then I came back. So I didn't speak English, I spoke Spanish. And then going through school, it was like mostly Mexicans. So then I'd speak Spanish and they're like, oh, you're not a true Mexican because my father's Mexican, my mom's Guatemalan Jamaican. They're mm. like, you're not a Mexican because you don't speak Spanish like us. So I'd be like, okay. And then like the white kids said, like, okay. <laughs> hanging out with me I wasn't gonna force it you know right and then like the white kids are like oh no you're Thompson you're black you can't you can't hang out with <laughs> and then the black kids are like you're a little light and you don't really speak English so it's just kind of like this little like isolation I was always so proud of it just because right. I mostly raised by my grandparents and my grandpa was just like a strong Jamaican man and like I loved my like my grandpa was like my dad so I was just like always coming home seeing him like how he took care of me like how he grinded for his family like how he busted so many different moves it was like that was that was the love I had as a father mm -hmm. like, I look at like whenever I see a black male like I just see my grandpa and it's like I see that love and then for my grandma it's like this tiny little Guatemalan lady it's just like nothing but love radiated from her mm -hmm. she is she didn't speak a lick of English, but hey, like it was just nothing but love. So it's like seeing them together and just kind of like their love and unity. It's just like, I know that love is in me. Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. like, I wanna make sure it stays connected. And I think a lot of people need to understand all of our struggles are intertwined and we have to not let society or the media or like literally the history that's been written sway our thoughts. Right. That's another thing too is like a lot of people don't know about all the things that mexican americans went through during western expansion how mexicans were also lynched a lot of mexicans were taken into slavery a yep. lot of mexicans were deported back to mexico after the guadalupe hidalgo treaty and so it's like the struggle has always been both and like california wasn't a segregated state 
to black people, but it was segregated for Mexicans until the 60s. So it's like things like that aren't talked about in the media. Then it becomes like, I notice it becomes like this kind of this rivalry. Like it feels like, a, it feels like a competition and it's so sad. You just need to throw it to the wayside. And I can say, um, with all the things I have been doing, I actually have been getting a lot of pushback from Latinos saying that I'm a sellout or that I only care about black people that I'm like forgetting my Latino side. And it's like, no, I've been arrested on ice protests. Like right. in for black and brown unity. But right now we have to understand that our society has a limited uh, attention span. It like, literally we have to address one issue at a time and that's the thing is right now the biggest issue that we have to address is black lives matter because that's systemic racism as a whole the betterment of black lives in america right now is a betterment for all of us and it's like changing that systematically is going to allow us to have the platform and the avenue to change everything else we can't be broken up and divided right now we need to stand together and fight each battle one at a time and just keep applying pressure and going that way and i think that's where people are like oh, you have to do this or this or that or that, or like, now this, what about this? What about this? It's like, guys, like the way our society is structured, we can't be like, we can't be like a dog looking at a squirrel, you know, like we have to stay focused. You know what I struggle with though too, at the same time, right? It's cause, um, you know, like when I see different things that happen, like with Sean Monterosa, for example, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, young dude, gets killed for having a hammer in his pocket you know what i'm saying it's it's um it's 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 unacceptable and i struggle with wondering like how many black people plan to go to his vigil how many black people you know are 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 consciously thinking of 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 that and knowing how important it is that we never ever accept that you know what i mean i struggle i struggle with that and i struggle with that meaning like I'm a loner and I don't go out much. So I don't know how many black people are showing up, but I also don't know how to, how to work on that more. Like, I feel like I need to do that. You know what I mean? Like maybe that can be something that I do because um, the, the, the police killing of, of Sean Montrose was unacceptable. It was unacceptable. Um, with, I know for 4HD, we've tried to go out to mostly all of the events his family's put on. And when we come to events, that's the one thing that, is always spoken about that this is for Black Lives Matter and that Sean's last text message was a petition for George Floyd. Mm. And we actually are planning something very soon in Vallejo next month um, mm. for Sean Monterrosa to demand justice for him. So that's where like that Black and Brown unity does come together because yeah. it's the same people going to all the different protests in the city and it's just like the same people showing up for Sean Monterrosa because mm -hmm. it's like, he was from the city, I'm from the mission, he's from the mission, you know? So mm -hmm. it's like, it is that 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 bond that like it's unbreakable that's your people yeah and not only that but it's like we have the black community coming out we have black people speaking up at these different events so it's like yeah. for sean like it, it is connected and we are applying pressure for him too because that's the thing is um police when they look at us they just see brown whether it be my light you're dark or even dark whatever it don't matter and i'm pretty light in the dark category you know what i'm saying so it's just like the police don't care and like i think especially in the bay we have that unity where it's like we're all writing for each other hey for real yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. And it's like what happened with sean that's police brutality that's that fight that we're in right now yeah you know i just um i really appreciate the work that you do to 
bridge black and brown communities and you know i hope that you know um you know like i don't i don't you know i'm i and i've been meaning to speak about this for a while but like i don't like seeing some of those um those black kids when they're harassing the street vendors you know what i'm saying i don't it's like that. that it's promoting that because it's I not okay man i'm not feeling it and i'm telling you like if you black and you know anybody involved in that you need you should deal with that <laughs> you, you you need to deal that we we're this is youtube but we're gonna tell you if you see if you're black and you see anybody doing that harassing them latino street vendors you gotta stop you should it. deal with them get involved it's you know what i'm saying promoting the disunity and that's like the thing that um when i started protesting one of my like really good friends he's mexican he sent me a video of three black men harassing a mexican woman at a gas station and he's like why are you sticking up for them and I was like, okay, I was like, what three people do is what these three people do. It's not a speak, it's not speaking for what everybody's doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, it's not gonna stop me speaking out. I was like, I'm still black at the end of the day, regardless of what those three people did. Mm -hmm. Those are still my people, you know? It's like, it, it's unfortunate, but it also shows like what the media does. It also shows how systematic racism is here to divide us. So it's like, those issues are so deep rooted where it's like there's so many different things it's like whenever people put it i hate when people put up those videos because it's promoting disunity mm -hmm. and it's like these things happen and they need to be captured for sure but it's like stop being a bystander you're just as bad as a cop when you're a bystander taking a video because i'm sorry george floyd had four people on his back because three were sitting around not doing anything if you're over there recording on your cell phone you're being a bystander speak up say something do something don't just sit there and record i don't need to see that video i don't want to see my people hating on each other you know it yeah. just promotes that disunity where it's like you have a voice use it right there like hey bro you need to calm down don't do that if yeah. it has to be physical you know what like it is what it is sometimes you know but it's like you gotta do something you can't be a bystander anymore yeah what i think that's real for right now. I think that's real for right now. And it's, it's, um, it's tough, you know, and I think also, you know, it's going to be a long road to the real answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's for me, like, what is hard to reconcile is like how much patience is just acceptance, you know what I mean? And then how much pressure do you apply? Cause, cause you can overdo it. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, you know, it's hard to know, what the right amount of pressure is for this moment because there's so many moving parts there's so many moving, and then that's where meditation comes in and knowing yourself where it's like once you know yourself you know when you've passed that point of being too much right and you can be like and now i retreat you know what i'm saying I think that point is different for everybody because that's another thing too with the movement is everybody plays a role everybody has different parts there's going to be people who are going to be on the forefront speaking out there's going to mm -hmm. be people in the scenes doing the research organizing doing the logistics, people calling uh, attorneys. There's going to be people who are doctors on the staff helping people out. There's going to be people protesting. There's going to be people ready for the mob. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the back line of just holding a sign. You know, it's like everybody got to play their role. And if, and like, there's nothing wrong with whatever role you're in. Like you're there for a purpose, but you know deep down how far you need to go for that moment. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. a personal thing for everybody. Like, for myself, like I'm speaking, I'm up in front, like that's my role. I like that, right, you know? Right. And different people where it's like, 
being in the back protesting with a sign like popping up every now and then like that's their role and it's just like there's nothing wrong no roles better than the other it's just like you need to fill that role what you feel called to be in yeah not feel like bad or feel a certain type of way it's just like everybody's playing peace with your true self yeah yeah Yeah. peace with your true self well thank you so much for being on uh bishop chronicles anybody want to shout out before before we throw a w on this whole thing Shout out. Definitely got to shout out Uncle Dame. Got to shout out us. Yeah. yeah. Got to shout out United Players. Yeah. Shout out City Eats. And we're going to shout out 4HD. 4HD. You know, that's... You know what I'm saying? Uh, applying pressure. And 4HD is myself. Stunnerman. Um, Gunner Goes Global. Jamal True Love. And last but not least, I got to do a selfish promotion one last time. We yes, got to shout yes. out I Woke Wellness. Because I woke wellness is be the new platform for black and brown people when it comes to health. I want to empower you in your health. I want you to take your power back in health. I want you to know what's up. I want you to know the stats, the facts. And not only that, but how to take care of yourself and stay melanated, stay educated, stay woke. And that's what I woke wellness is. So, you know, bam, bam. All right. There we go. Y'all have a blessed one. This is Bishop Chronicles. You know how we do. It's a worldwide website.